Okay, welcome to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network, the SWAN. This is episode 46, I believe, if I'm doing the math right. Uh, this is part four of the podcast on Tradition 9, and we just might be able to wrap it up today. I've been neglecting this one announcement every week, but uh, hopefully because it's been the traditions, I don't know if anybody would be interested in listening anyway, but if you are not a member of Narcotics Anonymous, we respectfully request that you tune out at this time. Uh, this is just in keeping with our traditions and then our internal workings, uh, debates, and sometimes controversies do not become public fodder. Uh, that said, I'm going to try and remember everybody we've got on the line. Uh, we've got myself hosting. we got Bill from Allentown, Pennsylvania, USA, Eric and Jared from Nebraska. Uh, we have uh, Herman from Holland and Kim from Sweden on the line. Is there anybody I've missed? Speak up now if I missed you. We just don't know you're here. Okay, and if other callers join in, they can, of course, uh, we'll, we'll give them an opportunity to speak up at some point uh, if they don't speak up on their own. So I uh, I am driving on the road at this time, so I can't really read. I, I'm assuming Bill's the one with the questions in front of him. I'm sure Eric and maybe a few other people have them up as well. But I'm going to turn it over to Bill and let him take us uh, from where we left off last week. Well, we left off at question 19, so I'm going to reread that one, okay? How can we ensure that service boards and committees are responsible to those they serve? That's the one we finished off with. So uh, I just want to briefly go over that, and then we'll go to question 20 if there is no input to it, okay? Uh, but how can we ensure that service boards and, and service committees are responsible to those they serve? And I think we I said that's a pretty simplified thing. The group conscience ensures that through voting in of, of servants and holding them accountable that they follow the 12 traditions and do not violate the group's uh, conscience that they're supposed to carry. And they perform the duties that the groups direct them to do. If not, they remove them. And, uh, and I did talk about uh, once you leave, uh, because in the known structure you go from your uh, – which, which, which we will uh, be developing here soon again, old areas, uh, you know, and, um, you know, uh, we are going to be setting up an area where there is no uh, fund flow. It's, the money is going to stay within the group structure. If the groups direct uh, to have services done, the groups will pay for that directly uh, for whatever way they decide to set up but uh, it will not be taking your excess funds and just sending it to a service body. Uh, the groups will figure out how they're going to pay the bills, and if it's uh, three or four groups uh, putting funds in to pay for a service they want, they'll, they'll figure that out on how they're going to divide the money up. But if the service body gets out of line, you'll have the power of the purse to, to not fund it. You know, so... And that's something I think is key, that uh, when you're talking about, even though we're on the ninth tradition, accountability happens in the second, it happens in, in, the, in the fourth with group autonomy, happens in the, in the second tradition with conscience, and happens in the seventh tradition with, with, uh, with uh, your, your funding. So you have accountability already established within the traditions. To, to how to pull that and hold people accountable, you know, and, uh, 
and and that's the, I, I think is the key to that. So I just wanted to go over that before we move on. If anyone has any other input there, please input it now. You know, I, I think last week too we mentioned that it, it kind of seemed like the whole podcast last week had, had geared toward that particular subject as well. So if you want a very detailed answer to that, go back and listen to part three because we at least half that podcast dealt with that directly, if not the whole thing, just through the other questions. Anybody else have input on that they wanted to offer? And then we'll move on uh, to Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Is there anybody else? I don't want to interrupt. Uh, yeah, someone, but... Real quick, before you move on, I'll, I'll just... If people have the question, why has it, as, as is or the Fellowship Service Conference not set up any areas, that's because uh, if you notice when Bill was talking about that, he's talking about what they're doing uh, where he's at. Um, it's because it's up to the groups to set up these areas. If the, the worldwide body or the fellowship-wide body, as we like to call it, uh, were to set those up, we'd run into the same problems. The groups need to be the ones in charge, and we have had some groups make uh, – attempts at that or, or start that. It sounds like y'all got something going on that's a lot more detailed uh, that might be a really good model for other groups to follow as they set up these areas and regions moving forward. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're in the process of, of doing that for uh, a literature conference we want to host. So uh, the New York group, uh, the Philadelphia groups that are down there, we're going to get together with them and decide to start doing things together as more like an area. And uh, and we're going to talk about, uh, well, they're going to be doing something in England soon in, in March where they have a, uh, uh, a Great Britain service day. You know, and uh, we want to set it up more like a conference instead when we start doing stuff like this where we meet as groups in a conference setting instead, not like a monthly area service body, but a month, you know, uh, uh, you know, every every uh, two to three months meeting as a conference, sitting down, going over what our issues are, how to find solutions for them, and uh, you know, you know, uh, to basically uh, get back to doing services and not overlapping services again. You know, and be able to provide services as a as a literature conference where it takes, you know, one group can host one. Uh, our home group used to host one with uh, with a uh, group in in Florida, and the Florida group what they did is they provided the facility for us, and what we did we we provided the agenda, and uh, we ran the conference when we got there. Our group did, you know, so there was two. You know, but it was two groups interacting together, and then the Florida group helped people, uh, you know, set up uh, hotels and if people needed places to stay and stuff like that. They they found people, like uh, they gave me uh, two two uh, duplexes where I could have people hosted in them duplexes, right right access to the facility. You know, so we had a place to stay for the week uh, that we were down there. And anyone could stay the full week, or they could just stay for the conference itself for the, uh, you know, four days. You know, the, but it was made available to us by that group. And then they also set up the food, you know, uh, where there's food at the facility, okay, every, you know, for, for, the, for the meals and stuff like that. 
so they took care of a lot of that stuff for us. So we worked together as two groups hosting a conference, but it was, you know, a thousand miles apart, our groups, but we worked together, and that's one thing we're going to be doing here is working together to host a literature conference, and then um, hopefully, you know, it's going to be uh, expanding on setting up uh, helpline services and then how to man helpline services where we overlap and things like that. So that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Right. So, there's no more input. We'll uh, move on to the next question. Okay. Uh, question 20. If service boards and committees are directly responsible to those they serve, how are those area committees and regionals being held responsible when they remove groups from the schedules? And that's basically this question, I think, details itself with the known structure where they're removing where they're removing meetings from the schedule, okay? Uh, happened over in Holland. It happened, I mean, it happened in the United States for a long time, but um, it happened over in Holland a little over a year ago where they start doing that process, okay? It happened up in Sweden, and uh, I let them two share a little bit about what happened to them, okay, first, okay? Yeah. Uh Got uh, Herman or Kim, either one you want to uh, speak about what was going on in, in Holland and uh, Sweden there. Yeah. Uh, oh, you go first, Kim. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Actually, what happened over here was that uh, we applied to be on the meeting list, uh, but they, yeah, they practically said we couldn't because we weren't a part of the area. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's what will happen over here at least. So we were never on the list as uh, this group or this structure, but when we asked, they said no. Wow. All right. So are you guys working with any other European groups? I know you're part of the European uh, Fellowship Service Conference or European Conf uh, Service Conference, as some people are calling it. Um, I don't know what the official name is, but. Um, uh, are you guys uh, outside of that? Are you banded together with with any other European groups or groups close to you as, as far as uh, area or region efforts go at this point in the uh, alternate service structure? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, contact with Holland and uh, uh, some in uh, in England, but there's no in in Scandinavia actually. Wow. And you have four meetings there now, right? Yeah, we have four meetings. And we're doing our, our own PI and meeting list and uh, things like that. Beautiful. Yeah, I think it's real important. There are uh, solutions available for the home groups uh, to act on their own conscience uh, when that mainstream service structure is not serving them, which is over 99% of the time the case, I believe. Uh, if you didn't have anything else to add, Kim uh, Herman, did you want to speak to that a little? Yeah, well, yeah I'm I good. Thank you. It. All right, thank you, Kim. We we were on the list, and uh, but we also had our own website, the nahelp.nl uh, website. And uh, one day at Region, I think they decided to take all the meetings who were on that website off of their own meeting list. And there were plenty of reasons uh, in the minutes why. I'm not really sure, and we. Tr there was a time we tried to get back on there, so uh, we uh, we emailed them, but uh, we didn't get any response to that. 
So at this moment, we are not on that website. We have our own. Uh, I think they took out, they took off around 12 or 14 meetings, something like that, because they were on the other website. Wow. Yeah, I yeah, think it has those meetings. I'll go ahead. Well, I think it has something to do with uh, with the literature and the total abstinence and all, all things uh, being a little bit different than they're used to. But uh, I wasn't there, so at the region. But uh, we were not really part of the of the area or the or the region. But uh, so yeah, we just work with our own website, and now we're putting our own posters up. And uh, yesterday we had our first newcomer who found a poster in the in the super supermarket. So that was really cool. So we're doing it that way now. When uh, I saw for a little, uh, I'm a member of a home group that, that's moved around the United States, and uh, we've had this situation and, until the current area that we're in, uh, where we weren't on the meeting schedules, and uh, it was never an ugly thing with us. We had a, a the uh, regional chair, I think it was, wanted to put us on, and uh, when we were state. Uh, we never even bothered to check. When when we moved to another state, we we didn't even attend an area committee in either of those states uh, or or ask to be put on. Uh, but when, there was one state that we went to their website and they had an open message board, and we were a rabbit meeting at that point anyway uh, when we were on the East Coast. But uh, we did post our meetings information and where to call if you want to come to a meeting, and I thought they would delete it uh, because they didn't know who we were and what we were about, and they, they didn't. They thanked us for putting it up and, and left it on their message board, but we never were on their schedule. Uh, where we're at now, we don't uh, officially participate in area, but we're very friendly with them, and, and they have put us on the schedule. Uh, but one of the solutions we, we did when we were uh, in the – well, in every state, really, uh, other than the on the East Coast because we were a rabbit meeting – we printed our own schedule, and we put all the other meetings on that were around us. Uh, and we, we put a disclaimer on there that they don't all use the same service structure, but these are the Narcotics Anonymous meetings in the, in the vicinity. And uh, we would, uh, especially in the first state we were in, we would distribute those. Uh, you know, we'd leave them at, at the, the meeting places that hosted multiple meetings, uh, like some of the churches or, or the recovery clubs. They had a lot of meetings going, and, and they let, them, let us put them in the lobby. And, and so a lot of people had access to our schedule. We would also post on the local message boards uh, that, that allowed 12-step recovery sites uh, to post there so that people could get information. So we, we, we just took it upon ourselves to get the information out, and, and we never had attendance issues uh, due to a lack of uh, being known that we were there. So there are a ton of – and we're talking, I guess, just about meeting schedules right now, but – but uh, basically, the, the way the service structure is set up right now, because all that authority has been delegated, there is no way to really hold that accountable, especially when other groups have bought into that and they are outvoting your group and, and removing you from the schedule. Um, I, I was at, because uh, it's a positive thing, I'm, I'm just going to, I was at a, a, a convention in, in Utah the other day, and uh, this uh, whole, um, situation uh, came up with regard to holding the services accountable, and you know they, they discussed that in, in an appropriate manner. Um, and it was just a workshop uh, that, that was going on. 
but there was some interesting things happening there, and they had a lot of solutions offered, and it was very much talked about that they look, uh, you know, they're doing what they wanted, and there is no power here in, in this structure. Uh, there's something else I was going to say that was going to hit me. Like someone had offered a, a really uh, unique perspective, and, and now it's slipping my mind, and I'm just going to pressure myself and, and forget it even more, so I'll let the conversation flow from here. And uh, anybody else who has input on that, how do we hold the earth? Can you read that question again, Bill, because I don't want to misaddress it. Basically, it says, if, if the service boards and committees are directly responsible for those term, how are these areas, committees, and reasons being held responsible when they remove groups from the schedule? Yeah, they're basically not because there's no way to hold them accountable other than to to do something else. Which, uh, thank God there there is something else there. As a fellowship service conference and, and your own group's ability to do its own thing. But, uh, but inside that structure, I don't, I, does anybody, those are some inside that particular structure. I don't know how you do hold them accountable when they overstep their bounds and do that. Well, they're not, they're not going to be held accountable in that structure today, okay? In the structure we have right. set up, you, you, hit, you will be held accountable through the home group conscience, okay? The home groups will have, have that ability, okay, to be able to do that. In that structure, uh, we, we're the first uh, basic area that left uh, seven groups at that time. We're back down to four groups, I mean three groups. Uh, but originally we were seven groups that left, and uh, four of the uh, groups went back to that area after a few years uh, because of not being able to handle the pressure. But we left back in, in 1990, basically, okay, we left. And uh, there was nothing there to hold that area accountable except for us to leave, and we left. And that's the only accountability you have is by leaving an area or region that uh, has that type of animosity towards you, okay, Uh why would you want to participate with something that's not accountable directly to you? Uh, you know, it's beyond me. And we did that back in 1990 when we walked out of our area and we chose to set up uh, a group conscience area, totally separate from any structure at that point in time. And we started the venture of of uh, working together with any group that wants to work with us, okay, to set up a new service structure, okay, and uh, so the Fellowship Service Conference originated, goes back to 1990, uh, originally in Cedar Church, uh, where the Historical Perspective Group uh, is at. And we sat there with groups from around the, the country, and I mean, there were a lot of groups there from around the country at that time that were there for the purpose of a literature conference that we held, well, a history conference, it wasn't even a literature conference, a history conference, and then we're, and we always had a solution segment at that history conference that we, our group, uh, an area participated and held, we always set up a solution session, and out of that solution session came as-is and questionnaires uh, that we sent out all over the place, and then through, uh, we start meeting as Pure Tradition was gathering, and someone was telling me, well, you know, a few years back, you used that Pure Tradition was gathering on your, on your flyer for that, uh, the Fellowship Service Conference. It wasn't called the Fellowship Service Conference. It was called Pure Traditionalist Gathering As Is for NA. 
and uh, and we changed the name to the Fellowship Service Conference. But that's besides what the conference is, and that the groups directed. It wasn't directed from from that body. The body didn't direct that. The groups directed that that they wanted the name change of the of the conference, and the name was changed. But up to that point, it kept uh, the original document basically from 1990, where it was. Uh, uh, as is conference, and then uh, the pure traditionalist gathering started in in 1993, and we held them. We didn't even hold them in in our area here. We held them in West Virginia, and we had people from Oakland, California involved. Uh, you know, uh, everyone knows the one guy as uh, you know from Alaska named Bill was involved. Okay, and he traveled around the world back then because of his job situation, and he took uh, baby blues everywhere he went and got him off the ground. And we had a lot of input, and I have that input in my archives from groups in Colorado and places like that that filled out our questionnaires and what 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 services they wanted to, to see set up again. And, uh, and we met for about five, six years, I think about six years basically, uh, down in West Virginia and then up in New York on the on, – um, we used to meet on Indian um, reservation grounds up there where they we used to rent facilities from them, you know, cabins and, and a meeting facility and stuff like that. Uh, we met up in Syracuse. And, uh, you know, then uh, that was an extension from 1990. And then that, we used to have a newsletter back then called New Old, I mean, uh, New Awakenings uh, newsletter. You know, and uh, the groups held that accountable. And then when the groups uh, got pretty beat up, pretty drastic stuff happened back in the 90s with everything. Uh, the conference uh, stopped, and in 2006, we put a letter out to groups uh, to come back to Cedar Church, and in 2007, we decided that uh, the groups decided that uh, they wanted the conference again, and so our first conference was 2007, then at the Fellowship Service Conference, which was the yeah, as-is conference, but the, that was all directed by groups to do these things. It was not directed by any service bodies. It was groups coming together, and we created this thing uh, called, we ended up being now the Fellowship Service Conference, okay? So there's a, there is an accountability set up in that there, and it's set up through the second, the fourth, and, and, the, and the seventh, and the ninth tradition to hold the accountability of that. With that body, that other body, this is Referson, it's the only way we know how to, it was to leave that body. And I think that's uh, still the same answer is if, if, if that body is not serving you, why stay there and fight that body and, and keep causing headaches and problems for yourselves? I think it's, it's following the traditions of recreating, which that's what we did. We recreated something. I think that's a powerful tool for the home groups that the home groups direct this here service body. And it, it also now has set up the, the European Fellowship Service Conference as a, a working body with the Fellowship Service Conference into reacting now. And we're going through them, their things now, how to serve the European continent and uh, through their own conference and the autonomy of that there through the groups to be able to have a parallel service that communicates through the fellowship service conference. And we're developing these things now on how to interact and uh, basically participate together, you know, and, uh, 
you know, and which and these groups will set up the parameters. It's just like the English groups now that came to the European Fellowship Service Conference are setting up a service day in March, okay, to start setting up services within their own country, okay, in their own uh, few countries in the U- U- United Kingdom, okay, basically. So we have uh, things like that going on, okay, uh, and that's where you hold accountability. And, and we felt the best way was to leave that service structure. This question basically is going to, to how do you hold them accountable? You do it by leaving. You don't participate with that there. You, you don't send your funds to something like that. And it's the only accountability issue there is how do you do it because we spent too many years in that service structure, and I represented the, the region and everything. I, I was actually the World Public Information Vice Chair for two years there, served on every world committee, and there is no way of holding that accountable because it, it's just a constant fight that goes on there to, to propel it into another level that they don't listen to groups anyway. And, uh, and I think groups are starting to finally get fed up, but they don't know what to do. And we are the I, – I think what's happened is the groups have set up this model now for people to participate in, okay, that there is a solution out there. And Chubb's just heard about things that uh, – where he did, you know, a joint joint workshop with another guy at a convention, okay, and there were people there from all over the place not knowing what, what to do and stuff, and we already have a model set up for that, you know, and hopefully more people are going to participate with that there, and to realize there is a way to hold it accountable, and the accountability is leave it, don't fund it, print your own literature, which we set these models up already that are happening around the world now. We are setting models up that are working, and uh, we are – you know, we, we're developing a system of a communication network that works and, and leads all the accountability at the group level, that the groups can hold accountability of this service body, okay? And uh, I think that's the, the most beautiful thing that's been going on is we, we have set a mechanism up that allows and gives the groups their, their, their direct rights of holding this body that they created to hold it accountable through the fund flow, through the conscience, through holding servants accountable and keeping control of their conference. And it is the group's conference, not the, a service body's conference. The service body is just what facilitates the conference for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you sparked my memory on a few things, Bill, and they're very powerful and, and, and pertinent to this particular question. But uh, one of the things that did come up at the, in this workshop was, because uh, the, the discussion did come up very briefly at first about the fourth tradition and the second half of the fourth tradition. And it wasn't directly addressed where this boundary lies, but it was like kind of vaguely as, as long as you're not doing something that affects the other groups. But the question is, well, what is the definition of that? Because you could really define anything you want to mean that. And, and so part of this discussion ended up being, look, the big question is, was the second half of that fourth tradition set up uh, to – uh, create a representative government? And the answer was no, and we discussed that, and what it was was this 12th tradition that tells us that anonymity is the foundation of all our traditions. So when we apply that to any place we have a question, if we look at the fourth tradition, does a representative government where groups can get together and take another group off a schedule or tell another group what literature it can use, is that in line with anonymity? It, it most certainly is not. What is in line with anonymity is my group cannot force your group to do anything, and my group should not re- represent anything we're doing. 
as representative Narcotics Anonymous as a whole, and we even uh, brought up that old idea that we used to hear, at least I used to hear in meetings around here all the time, and you never do. It used to be part of almost all the formats. They would say no one speaks for NA, not a, not a single individual, not, not any service body, not a single group. Nobody can speak for NA. And the, the power of the home groups got illustrated because, and this is a, a, a convention, or not a convention, uh, 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 what a, uh, <laughs> yeah, convention. This is a convention that uh, uh, historically, whether intentional or not, when the sixth edition came out, the theme of the conference was the sixth edition. Just two or three years ago, the main speaker was one of the two main writers of the Living Clean book. Uh, this year, the, the uh, main speaker happened to be in that workshop, and he started talking about these great book meditations great for today meditations that he's been getting on his phone every day and actually said, I like them better than just for today. And, and in discussions in that workshop and with people after, there were tons of, and this is the power of groups not participating in that service structure. That thing has gone viral. That, and this is part of, this is the groups that participate in the fellowship service conference have got together and through open participation started writing these great book meditations and, I, I, I mean, I'll even get phone calls from people from time to time looking into as is or the fellowship service conference and first hearing about it, and they know what those are. But it, there were so many people in that room who were getting those meditations on their phone every day and sending them to other people. And a lot of those people had no idea where they were coming from. They only knew that, that there was a group of home groups that had said, hey, we can, do, we can still write literature and we don't need permission from anybody. We can do this without Nas. And this is the power of home groups stepping outside of that structure and saying we're going to do what our group conscious tells us to do. So you have all these people that, that are, are members of groups inside this, this non-structure, and, and they're all so many of these people fellowship-wide. And we had people worldwide there. I, I had people from other continents telling me, yeah, I get those every day on my phone and I send them to six people and I got sponsees who also send them to six people or, or however many people. It was just, it's amazing that these great book meditations are being used fellowship-wide, um, not, not so much in the meetings now, the mainstream meetings. They do get used in the uh, traditionalist meetings, but, but there's so many people who, who are so thirsty for this and the power of this small handful of groups comparatively to the mainstream structure, and, and this thing has literally gone worldwide, and people all over the world are reading these great book meditations to start their day now. And that's the power of stepping outside of that structure and, and saying this is how we hold them accountable. We don't use them. Anybody else I have a... Uh, Question twenty, we're on there, right, Bill? Yeah, that was uh, that was question twenty. We were going over. Okay, I just want to know if Anybody there's any other question, I, any input on that yeah. there, because, uh, like I said, this is this is uh, dealing directly with the service structure that we left in 1990. Okay, and uh, and I shared on how we hold ourselves accountable and what we have been involved in instead as a, as solutions to that. And how to hold it accountable is by leaving it and not funding it. And printing your own literature has been the greatest thing, and I think it's the greatest effect that we've had as a group, okay, uh, where it originated in 1990, okay. Uh, and uh, 
I do have the original documents and stuff on my history table yet, okay, from that. And I got all the information from uh, the original fellowship service conferences, which was Pure Spirit Traditionalist Gatherings, okay, uh, as is, okay, that we held. I have the original documents I put out on the table. I have the collection of the groups that sent in the questionnaires and everything. So we were directed by conscience, okay, to develop uh, this conference. And then we had to break for a while, like I said, and we re- restarted through the same group, the same facility, Cedar Church is where it restarted. That was in the same facility, and then we moved to Hamburg, okay, because we needed a, a, a bigger facility, and, uh, you know, we found a facility that, that people could bring their their uh, their sheets and pillows and, and have a place to stay in the same building that we have a conference in yet, okay, without having, I mean, some people go get hotel rooms and stuff, that's their choice, but uh, we wanted to make it available that people could stay right there and uh, not have to deal with all the other stuff, okay? And, uh, you know, and it's a, a function that was to set up directly through the groups and held accountable through the groups, you know, and uh, so we don't even participate with that, with them service boards and committees that are not directly accountable to the groups. Uh, and they have proven that. They're proving that right now, uh where the groups have uh, basically voted down the SSSP, and they're still invoking it. You know, they're actually, the office is actually spending money and sending uh, paid employees around to speak in regions and and multi-regional functions, basically, that you need to get on board because this is what we're doing. And uh, it's not not when, I mean, it's not if, it's when it's going to happen, but it's happening and right now they're spending a lot of money from the World Service Office to send out paid employees to go to different multi-regional things and to certain regions where they feel they'll have a problem. And they're actually giving literature to areas within some of these regions, okay, uh, to buy votes, basically, is what I see it as. You know, it's called politic. And they're investing a lot of money in politic. And that will, will not come up in their accountability sheet. It would just be in, in uh, an expressionary fund where this money was spent. They won't have a listing of how it was spent and, and where they sent Steve Rush to, okay, to uh, to market this here thing that they're doing. They're actually marketing the SSP right now again. And the groups have voted it down a few conference cycles. They voted it down. So there is no accountability there at all in that structure. And the only thing that we come up with is a solution, and that's what I shared before was just a solution to it all. Quit fighting it, set up a new, and that's what we've been doing, and that's what we did at the European Fellowship Service Conference. I just put a post up on that. It was a very powerful, very powerful groups coming together, sharing them information, learning how to provide service in their local areas, the kind of message to the suffering addict, okay, is what we're doing, is setting up networks like that on how to communicate back and forth together and how the, your groups direct these services and not services directing you. Dissolves any service that's not there. That, that is direct, and you dissolve it. it and, and the only way to dissolve it is leave it, okay, and set up a new instead, and set up a service communication network that, that serves them groups that, that set it up. And uh, I look at the solutions more important than that body, but there's new areas that are going through this with that body that were, you know, like uh, Herman said, they were on the meeting list. And, yes, 
and it started three years ago with the conference over there, and actually, it's actually kicked the ball in when when the groups over there decided, two groups decided to host the first European Fellowship Service Conference, okay, which was a different name. They called it a traditionalist gathering, basically, almost, okay. Uh, and then the second year, we changed it to the EFSC, okay, but we changed the European Fellowship Service Conference over there. We changed the name of it and said, let's call it what it truly is instead. Let's uh, move forward. And now that is gathering momentum and uh, becoming a body that's providing of information back and forth in, in workshops, providing information on how to participate in open literature, how to participate in, in public information. And now the groups over there are actually setting up public information within the groups. They're actually going out and doing this services. As Herman said, they got the first person to their meeting through a PI poster, and they're doing the same thing up in Sweden, getting PI posters up. They're actually going to communicate with institutions and stuff now, doing public information. They're doing the same thing in Holland, sending letters out, okay, uh, inviting people to, to uh, you know, uh, open what we would call an open public information meeting and stuff, setting them things up instead again. So we're back to doing old-time service in a new service uh, communication network that we set up through a service body that's accountable directly to the group, but the groups are driving it versus the, the, the body driving it. The body's just providing the services that the group's directed to provide. And that's the only way you're going to hold this type of stuff as accountable is by setting up a new, and that's what we've, we've been doing. You know, and I think we got to – I think the groups have set up a great model now that other people can participate in and be involved in, and, and the only way they're going to get accountability is through home groups. So I think that answers that pretty inclusively, unless the uh, European groups have anything to offer to this yet. Yeah, this is Kim. Uh, yeah. I just want to share that, uh, you know, we're, we're not on, on the that meeting list and that structure, but uh, I have to say the excitement and the, it works and we do our own PI works and communicate with other groups throughout the world. And, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff is happening. As Bill said, we're communicating with institutions and such, but uh, today at the meeting we have one newcomer, one member coming back and one visitor. So, you know, we're still out there even without that list. I just want to share that, that it's, uh, there is a solution. I just do the work as a group. I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear this, but it is the truth. When you are removed from that mainstream structures meeting list, it's actually a blessing, in my opinion. I know I can't speak for anybody else's home group, but when we get back to, like, the, the gray book, and I think it's in Tradition 4, but it actually talks about each and a group should be able to stand on its own if, if need be. You're put into that position where your home group really needs to be, and maybe it's the seventh, but I think it's the fourth, where your home group really needs to be fully self-supporting. And, and it, 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 I've been working and uh, having communication with one particular area where they are moving towards this. They're still part of the mainstream structure, but getting the home groups back involved, and they've found that giving the responsibility to the home groups uh, it is actually starting to work where people who weren't even uh, involved before now get excited about it. And it has to do with the literature and, and that because NAS has authority over that service structure the way it's set up, uh, the H&I committees are scared to 
to put traditionalist literature or literature that the groups have printed into the facility. So they have started asking the groups to take responsibility for this um, uh, and, and, and each group to take responsibility for a facility. Uh, and, and it puts us in that position where we have to stand up and do our own service work and we have to stand up and get the word out. Uh, and then it keeps the Narcotics Anonymous message pure because we're the ones controlling the purse strings. We're the ones controlling the message that's getting out there. It's not some paid corporate board that's putting information out there that's in their best interest and what's going to sell the most books for them and create a bottom line. We're actually getting message the message out to the addicts who need it the most. Uh, and, and truly, if, if we're going to, if, if my home group can't stand on its own, the home group that I belong to, um, we're not living up to what the traditions ask us to do. And again, that's, I'm not trying to chastise any group, but it truly is a blessing when you're removed from that schedule. Uh, you now have the freedom to do what we should have been doing all along. Okay, did we answer that question uh, for anybody? I think I think I beat it to death. <laughs> well, I just want to know if we answered it, okay? If there's I any other input, if, if not, we're going to move on to question 21. It says, uh, if we may create service committees such as public information, how do we hold them accountable when they endorse our program to probation officers, drug officers, and parole agencies? And I think that again deals with uh, with uh, with the other structure. Okay, uh, you know, um, because our groups are doing our public information work. And said right now, we I don't think we've set up uh, committees outside the groups yet. Okay, uh, you know, and there is a problem though, and we have we're running into that problem. Uh, with our groups where uh, people are coming into our meetings and expecting their their court slips to be signed, okay? And we sit there. We don't sign court slips in our group. Simple facts. We don't affiliate with with uh, with the courts or any rehabilitation center, any center that, that, that has these slips that want to be signed. We're not going to verify people coming to our meetings or not because we follow the traditions in that area. That uh, you know, you come here as you freely want, in and out. Okay, uh, we don't force anyone to come to us, and by us signing slips would be basically forcing people to be in our rooms instead. And we don't do that. So, uh, you know, if we set up a service committee to provide public information, we would hold them accountable through the group conscience that they're not going to endorse our. Uh, that in, we're not going to participate. And affiliation, I don't even, I think the, the wording here might be a little deceiving, too accountable when they endorse our program to the probation officers. We're only there to inform probation officers, and we're only there to inform uh, the drug courts and the parole agencies of our existence. We're not there to affiliate with them, okay? And uh, we inform them what Narcotics Anonymous is and that they can, uh, you know, use our services of our home groups, but they cannot force anyone to be in our home groups. They can provide the information that we exist, and we do have a solution, but we don't want to be part of their their government agencies in that sense, where we're affiliating and crossing them lines. And how do you hold it accountable? Again, I think we just went over that uh, with the solution part that I shared. 
uh, you know, with the with the service boards and committees and holding them directly accountable. You, we don't set a service body up that's going to actually affiliate with with these here uh, courts and with the probation officer or with rehabilitation centers or halfway homes or any other type of organization like that. We're not going to affiliate with that stuff. And uh, by by not affiliating, uh, we're not going to uh, participate in that level, and we'll hold it directly accountable. In what we set up through our group conscience, there'll be direct accountability of of this here instead. We provide information of Narcotics Anonymous, and that's it. Uh, we're not going to be part of your government agency providing uh, a service that you're going to be able to utilize to to verify membership. Of, of our groups or our members that come to our program where we, 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 we have amenity and we respect everyone's amenity within our rooms. And we're not here to be an affiliation and verifying people coming to our rooms. You know, and I think that's the best way to hold it accountable is when you set these services up that they don't have that right to be able to do that. So, uh, I'll leave this to you guys now to discuss more, okay? I, I think that the solution has it, – it's the same solution that was in the previous question, as, as Bill pointed out. And when you set up these new service bodies, if you even choose to do it through a service body, you simply do not delegate them that, that authority. It, it, the thing that's surprising to me is – and it shouldn't be because it took me years to wrap my head around this one. Uh, and, and to fully, Even if we had no traditions, the name of our fellowship is Narcotics Anonymous. Where is the anonymity in forcing somebody to come to a meeting or verifying uh, to an outside entity whether or not they were there? And that's all I have. If somebody else has something else, please, by all means. Um, hey, I'll go on to uh, question 22, Bill. Well, I just want to ask one thing. I don't know who 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 at, sent this question in. Okay, all right. Is there anyone on the line that uh, that their group or group within their their geographic area sent this in? If there is, please share about what you were actually seeking in that level. Okay. Can you repeat the question again? I said it. I don't know what groups are uh, what groups within a geographic area sent this question in. Okay, and if 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 they're if they're there, please share on what they were actually seeking there. Okay. Okay. I mean, it either came from Holland or it came from Sweden or it came from Nebraska. Okay, because uh, our group didn't send that in. Okay. Uh, they could have come from anybody on Radio Free NA uh, on those forums, could it not? Yeah, it could have, but I know it came from, I know where the questions came from. It was either Sweden, Holland, or from from okay. us, or from your group. And then, and uh, I'm pretty sure it came from either Sweden or Holland, that question, okay? Can you repeat the actual question, though? That way I can... Yeah, I said, if we create service committees such as public information, how do we hold them accountable when they endorse our program to the probation officers, drug courts, officers, and parole agencies? Could it came from your group, Eric? It, it actually, I, I wrote that one. Okay, um, so what were you actually seeking there? 
I, I was seeking getting some information out there and stuff because, like, just basically, I want people to understand how it how it actually affects our fellowship and how it actually because um, a lot of people don't think that it does, you know. It, and it's exactly what you guys talked about. It's where they they make the thing that well, we're not we're not endorsing them. We're we're just helping the addict along. We're not, uh, and it's like they don't understand that what they're doing is is actually endorsing the probation. And, you know, it's they think that they're doing a service to the addict. And they think that if you uh, um, don't help them out, then we're going to, then we're going to chase those addicts away that, that could find recovery. And uh, um, they're not understanding that it, all the issues that it causes so that's that's why I asked that question. Um, okay. I, I've said this on other podcasts, but it, the, some of the stuff I've witnessed firsthand, the issues that it causes is we have, it, it creates an environment. I've seen this firsthand where addicts uh, in, in a court system uh, that is monitoring the fellowship will get reduced time in the court system to tell the, the probation officers or the counselors or whoever's in charge uh, Who's relapsing? Who's picking up white chips in meetings? They they completely monitor meetings. I've, I've seen it go so far as to judge because we become so integrated with this court system that they start dictating how Narcotics Anonymous will run, and judges actually requiring step work to be signed off for the courts by sponsors to the sponsee. When our program, the, the only the only part of our fellowship that is non-negotiable is the 12 traditions, and we read every time an addict comes in, almost all the meetings say something to the, the effect of we're only interested in, in what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. Here's, here's the path that most of us took, which was these 12 steps, but we're just interested in, in what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. And I think the other thing that a lot of people see firsthand right off is you, you have people come in, they're not seeking recovery, they're seeking how to avoid jail, and Narcotics Anonymous then becomes the lesser of two punishments. And I know a lot of people do eventually get it, but when we're just the last house on the block and the information is just out there, the courts can have their own curriculum. And if that's not working, when someone wants to really stay clean, they're going to still come to Narcotics Anonymous and then they're going to get a purer message. That's what I've seen firsthand is the effects that this actually has. And I don't think it, we have to sacrifice in any way, shape, or form a single addict finding Narcotics Anonymous. If we're putting the information out there, hell, if it's on the groups and we're really putting the information out there and, and not relying on the courts to do it for us, more people be, will be aware of Narcotics Anonymous because we won't be relying on that one single channel or, or these, these few channels that are part of the treatment industry. We will be putting it out, just the information, not even endorsing ourselves, not even just, look, here's the last house on the block. If medicine, religion, and psychiatry have no answers for you that, that you can use, if jail is not helping you at all, this is what worked for us. And, and I think more people would have access to that. But that's the effects I've seen directly. Well, the effects are not... very detrimental in certain groups, okay? And I can tell you that because uh, there is uh, – when you get over half a meeting that's court stipulated in them rooms, okay, and they're not there for our primary purpose, they're not there even for the primary purpose of staying clean. I've seen it where you've had drug dealers hanging right outside the facilities dealing drugs, 
to the to the the newcomers as they walk out the door. Okay, uh, you know, and uh, and then then drug dealers go celebrate five years at the ne- the at the night meeting, and this is the noontime meeting. I've seen it happen where over half the meeting was court stipulated, and uh, you know it was more of a connection for them to get drugs right outside the room than it was actually drug dealers within the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, and they were using our rooms as a way to to deal to their clientele, which was in the court stipulated system, you know, and uh, you know, it created a, a bad atmosphere within the room. And then they, they would have a break at the one meeting, and all the court stipulators would come up and get their slip signed, and they'd leave, okay? But the meeting's scheduled to be on, this, on, on say, an hour and a half. They're leaving 45 minutes in the meeting and leaving. Um, well, it's saying they were there for an hour and a half, so now we're rarifying their whereabouts also. And uh, and uh, the argument that Eric just brought up there, okay, uh, that people are using, I mean, I had it on my Facebook where people blew up that I thought were a traditionalist type of people defending this action and that, oh, we can't allow addicts to go out there and die, okay? We'd rather have them in our rooms instead. Well, why do we want forced people in our rooms, Okay. They, they're not here on their own free will. They don't want to be here. Uh, they're, they're following a court agreement, and for them to stay out of jail, well, we're keeping them out of It ain't our purpose to keep people out of jail. That's the first thing. Our primary purpose is not to keep people out of jail. Our primary purpose is to carry the message, and it means if they're in jail, we carry the message to them where they're at instead. It ain't our primary purpose to keep them out of there. Once they decide they want to be here, we should not be signing slips for them to be here. They should be coming freely as they choose, and they should be here to stay clean. And our primary purpose should be to carry the message to the suffering addict when they show up in our rooms and provide an atmosphere of recovery. When it's upset in the atmosphere, we have a problem, and it's happening all over the place. And then you'll have the person who was stipulated, oh, I got clean that way. Hey, I, you know, for for we're very grateful that you did get clean, okay? <laughs> However... No one should be stipulated to our rooms, and we should not be affiliated with that stipulation process. We should not endorse it. When we're, we, we, it's, it, we are endorsing an outside agency and their ways, we are endorsing it the minute we sign them slips. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very traumatic argument within the NA Fellowship as a whole here in the United States. I don't know what's going on in Europe with that area or even if, if they have the court-stipulated stuff there, or even if, I don't know if they have the rehabilitation-stipulated things, because the rehabs and the, and the halfway homes stipulate people the same way over here, you know, to go to meetings. So we are affiliating with that behavior, okay, and endorsing that behavior to continue. And it has nothing to do with carrying our primary purpose to the suffering addict, okay? It has to do with us endorsing instead. And, and uh, so we have traditions that are basically saying we do not participate with that stuff. You know, in the sixth tradition, if we're, you know, we're talking about the ninth tradition here, but the sixth, the sixth tradition where it talks about the affiliation. So we're violating the affiliation clause here that we have to be very aware of that just because you're on one tradition doesn't mean there's not something happening in another tradition that, you're trying to carry our primary purpose you're talking about, and we're doing it by through a, a committee's carrying the message in there, 
setting up the facilitation of, of that there, well, we're allowing our groups to do that instead. We're not even, the groups are directing us. They're going to do these things, and they should be doing these things, carrying the message instead. And then uh, not affiliating with the court systems or the rehabilitation systems or any outside agency, but here's Narcotics Anonymous. This is what we provide, and that's fulfilling our, our uh, 11th tradition through public information, informing the public of our existence, okay? So all these traditions are intertwined. You know, and that's what we need to be aware of in this area. And the solutions are group-oriented uh, public information, getting that information out there and not affiliating Narcotics Anonymous with these agencies. So hopefully that helps you, Eric, in that area, okay? I, I think for some reason I think that that question was actually supposed to go on the 10th tradition uh um, uh, 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 questions, I think. Well, it doesn't matter. You and, put it here, okay? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I still, it applies to some of these but... <laughs> that, that might mean 23 might be in the wrong place also because... Uh, it doesn't matter, okay? I know I put two or three questions in, up at the same time. It doesn't matter. Uh, We're going to uh, discuss them here, okay? Eric, okay. Right. where they're at. <laughs> okay, if not, right. we can yeah. move on. We'll move on to now, uh, number 22. Uh, Bill, let me touch on one other thing that we talk about in so many podcasts, but another another thing that has, has happened as a direct result of that is is a lot of groups have changed their definition of what clean time even is in Narcotics Anonymous because of what the courts and treatment centers want to see. And I'll just leave it at that because we've, we've discussed that at length in other podcasts as well. <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying, okay? Uh, because there's a very great effort in Narcotics Anonymous to change our what clean time means in Narcotics Anonymous, okay? And it is affecting us as a whole. So it is, uh, and that's the other part of the fourth tradition, where's it affected us as a whole? So you went into another tradition again, okay? Well, you mentioned yeah. that. Mm -hmm. uh, they are affecting Narcotics Anonymous as a whole. And, uh, you know, when we mess with what clean time is and we try trying to align what clean time is is where we create a problem. When it says clean time, total absence of any mood change, sudden minor chemicals is where the line should be drawn. There should be no movement of that line with our total abstinence program, complete abstinence from any mood changing sudden minor chemical. And that is uh, trying to bend ourselves. I mean, just like someone just told me, okay, uh, you know, it was just at my N.A. birthday, okay, 39-year celebrations. And, uh, you know, the meeting went as it should have went, and it was. Uh, and the guy goes to me afterwards, well, I think, I think the solution is we all need to meet in Oklahoma for two weeks and uh, compromise. And my, my answer to him was the traditions are non-negotiable. We do not compromise the traditions in any form. They are what they are. And I, and I read them as they're written, okay? I don't need the long form. I, I can read the short form and know how they're written instead. And they are non-negotiable. There are no gray areas there. People are always looking for gray areas. They want to look at as what well, says steps are suggested. They think the traditions are suggested. The traditions are non-negotiable. And the people need to realize that. And when we're talking about traditions, it's in a non-negotiable uh, attitude first that they are non-negotiable how do we as a group 
fit into our traditions is the most important. How do we uphold them principled in all our affairs, as it says at the end of this, the, the 12th step, because when we're, we're talking about these principles that we're talking about, are the principles are of the 12 traditions in all our affairs as a group, you know, in our participation with one another as groups, and we should never violate another group's autonomy, and we should never affect other groups as a whole with with policies that the committee structures are creating and directing the fellowship instead by this wavering of our clean time requirements and changing clean time what clean time is in our fellowship. I could care less what a doctor says that you need, that's your business, that you need to deal with your doctor and yourself on, but when it comes to being clean in NA, I could care what you, less what you're trying to do to withdraw, okay, from your drugs, okay? That's none of my business, but it is my business when you want to say you're clean in our home group. We're not going to celebrate drug replacement therapy in our rooms, and we don't celebrate that in, our, in, in the home group I belong to, and we will not celebrate it. We believe in total abstinence from any mood change, submalar, chemical. You know, uh, we do believe in what it says in the basic text that, you know, in extreme physical pain, you end up in a hospital for something. We do, we're not going to take your clean time because they had you on something while you were in the hospital, but it also provides solutions there. Get yourself detox before you leave. So we look at them areas, and that's why I based my recovery, because I had operations. You know, uh, no, I did not use while I was in the hospital. Uh, I, I limited anything in my body except for operations, okay? I, I made sure they weren't putting any other things in my body, and I took that thermally. I get through, you'd be surprised how much pain you can get through clean. I took that literally, you know, and it worked for me. I did it with ice and ibuprofen instead. You know, but them are areas that our group, we're not wavering on them areas when it comes to clean time in our rooms. You know, we're not going to waver on drug replacement and things like that there. It's total abstinence. And that's something we need to be aware of when we're talking about that area that you brought up there, Chubb. So I just wanted to get on that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, question 22, how is it possible that any such is organized? Why are nine tradition talks about how any services never should be organized. Um, who, is there anyone here that uh, knows where that question came from? Yeah, I, I put that question I, up there. Who's, hey, Herman? So what are you talking Herman. about? you want to explain it? Well, it's uh, the book says it should never be organized. Uh, the surface structure or NA, but but it is right now if I look at it. So it's just a question. I was wondering when when did that start? When was the first time when when uh, people started organizing things and uh, well we we lost it then I think. Are you are you talking about the known structure out there? Yeah. Okay, because your fellowship over in Europe was developed by World Service Office and corporate. Okay. That started back in the in around eighty four. Okay, I'll give you the uh, approximately around the date, and that's when the first Germans showed up. Okay, uh, with an RSR named 
with Daniel, okay, was the first RSR to show up from Germany. They started that process by sending World Service Office over to and sending board of directors and board of trustees over into Europe to set up their services. And they've been doing that throughout the world, and that's organized what you're talking about. They organized that structure over in Europe and over in, in uh, Asia Pacific and stuff like that. The, the office organized that. And you're right, okay, when you're saying that. How is it possible NA is such an organized? Uh, while our night tradition talks about NA service should never be organized, it started at the World Service Conference through the office. And them bringing in uh, representatives and uh, paying for all their, 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 you know, for them to come to the conference. And then they would applaud these people and, and, uh, and uh, then they would direct their services from that office instead. It wasn't done through a grass uh, root uh, movement, okay? Like a lot of services originally were set up here, and that's been the fight at the World Service Conference for years. To so Finally, where groups got tired and start pulling away from that, and uh, you still have a bunch of people still trying to fight that service structure, which I think is the biggest mistake, okay? But it is organized, as you're talking about. That is organized, and it shouldn't be in any form, okay? And it that's what have basically referencing there. And it is an authority. It, 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 and that's, it started when, it, it basically starts setting this stuff up back in the early 80s when they started messing with our basic text and changing the fourth and ninth tradition, okay? Uh, I'm removing them parts of the fourth and ninth, okay, where it gives, uh, you know, that you should basically, uh, that you you should never be censored, decided, or dictating dictating to home groups, okay, in any form, and uh, and that's what the fourth and ninth tradition were concerning itself. Fourth tradition was concerning itself with that you don't rule, censor, decide for us, and they are ruling, censoring, and deciding what information you get, what information they're going to provide, and how they set up their services throughout the world. And that's the fight they're still going through today with the organization of it all. And it's a natural uh, built-in mechanism that happens, and people start repulsing that that uh, control mechanism that they're trying. But it's like uh, we we've been sharing about that. It's it's uh, our whole grassroots movement started in 1990. Okay, and we've been growing and and gradually going back and forth with this because we keep running into that organized structure that. Uh, I mean, I just we just had a thing on Radio Free yesterday on this here with, uh, you know, a group in Germany basically was, you know, and I know what they were talking about. It's the fear, uh, it's the fear tactics that's used by that structure uh, because that group is uh, wants to do what we're doing. They're tra- they want to translate the German, uh, you know, uh, the third edition revised, the original fourth into German, and now they're having the structure. Uh, the organized structure uh, coming down on them, and that's going to happen every time, and I warn people of this to start with. It will happen, and it's going to happen. Be prepared for it. Be part of the communication network to get support in what you're doing, and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's small and obscure for a period of time, but you stay consistent with it, and you don't allow this structure, to this organized structure to, to, to control you, mandate to you, and direct you because it's, it's violating all our traditions when we do that. And uh, 
but it is organized, and it started back in the, in the, you know, it started when we actually wrote the basic text is where it started, okay? If you look through the minutes of the conference, you'll see that that's when it all started, when we wrote the basic text. Well, it started immediately with the first edition when they changed our book, okay, the, in the first tradition, the first uh, edition basic text is where it started. And you can see the train of that thought go on and on and on throughout conference minutes to where it's at today. And that's why we set up a new and we're not participating with that organization in, in that type of behavior. And you're going through it in, in the Netherlands, okay, Holland. You're going through it. They're going through it in Sweden. But they won't let you on meeting lists. Yes, they are organized structure. And, it, and there's no way in the traditions that it allow for that type of organization to exist. And that's why it's right in the gray book when you read it, and I read it last week, okay? There is no room for this type of organization within Narcotics Anonymous at all. You know, it's going to be in conflict immediately with spiritual principles. And that's what's happening. And instead, they, they'll come back and say you're causing disunity by living by spiritual principles instead. And that's the conflict that you're going through with people uh, in a government agency. And that's what I it's set up like government is to set up like, uh, you know, a constitutional representative service uh, uh, governmental system is what it's set up like now. And that's why we don't participate with that there. We're not going to participate with something that's a government where it has no place within our traditions like that. You know, we're not a representative uh, structure. We are a group conscience service uh, system that we set up instead. You know, we're not a governmental system. And so there's a parallel there that you can look at and say, hold it. This system provides all this here, but yet it, it governs you. This system here does not provide this stuff, and the groups provide it all instead, and they don't govern. They communicate. And that's what we're setting, you know, what we set up is a, is a system that communicates instead where the groups can communicate their needs and, and their desires and how to facilitate and how to get things off the ground and get the message out there instead. And it stays at the grassroots end instead. That's where it all lies is within the grassroots movement and where groups learn to communicate together without setting a government system up. You know, and I think that's uh, what we're looking at here. So I know what your viewpoint is, okay? I will, I will point out something really quickly. The, the ninth tradition does not say that services, service boards and committees cannot be organized, but what it is very explicit is that NA is such. This is where the, the, the not, I was going to say the idea, but not even the idea, the principle comes from that these service boards and committees are not part of NA. It says NA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve, and the problem happens when that direct responsibility is abandoned. The, the short-form bill is right, should be enough. Uh, but when we look at a lot of the early writings, um, even outside of the Gray Book, uh, a lot of stuff that was talked about aside from these services are not part of, of Narcotics Anonymous is – is that when we set up service boards and committees that do have organization to them, that they, they not have any administrative authority as far as the fellowship goes, and that, that they are 
temporary, that they fulfill their, their task, we disband them. There's, there's much talk about rotating service, and that's why these services could not be part of it. And the problem lies the minute you delegate an ounce of authority to these service bodies, it's never coming back. And, and, and we have gone so far as to keep the service bodies themselves even disorganized because it doesn't say that we have to organize service bodies. And I think it is a much safer route to not have organization within these service structures or as little as possible. But we do set up committees that have chair people and secretaries and, and here's what, but they need to only be, be doing what the groups are asking them to do. They need to be temporary. Uh, but NA as such ought never be organized. It's clearly understood that these service bodies, that the NA as such exists prior to and apart from the creation of any services. So when we do create a service body that has some organizational structure to it, um, that is allowed within the traditions, but it cannot have any authority whatsoever. And, and that, that direct responsibility is, is something that we, when Bill references the, the writing of the basic text, that's where a lot of these debates started about delegated authority and the, the broader view and acting on behalf of the groups. The minute we sacrifice group conscience and give that, that service body any authority or power to act on our behalf without the groups telling them to, we, we've lost control, and, and it's going to snowball into what you see now. Um, but and, and maybe that's just a, a semantics point, but it doesn't say services are not. It says NA as such are, is not organized, and, and those it makes very clear those services are not part of NA as such. They're a tool in the hands of NA as such. My hammer that I'm using does not control me. I control the hammer. If the hammer has a mind of its own, then it's not a hammer anymore. I, if the services have, have a will of their own, it, it, it's beyond what the groups are telling them to do. Those aren't services anymore. They're not services for NA at that point. Yeah, that's why I like on page 111 in the gray book, okay? Um, it starts at line uh, 8. Another point of confusion is the term organized, which has several meanings. Our yeah. steps and traditions are uniform and set in a specific order. They are numbered. They are not random and are unstructured. Certainly they are organized, but this is not the organization of, of the, our ninth tradition for the purpose of this tradition, organized means have an administrative structure, and this implies management and control. On this basis, the meaning of the Tradition 9 is clear. NH should never be run by a bureaucracy or management, nor controlled by individuals within an administrative structure. If we're able to allow this, NA would surely lose the best it has to offer and choke the death on our insanities. Even without this tradition, organizations such as this would be in opposition to our spiritual principles. A loving God, as may express himself in our group conscience, would find no place within an administrative structure. Uh, how, how could a trusted servant manage and control? Service and management are contradictory. Government implies control, but our leaders do not govern. How could autonomy exists in the administrative structure, specification, professionalism, and the basis of any management scheme. Any administrative structure, by its very nature, eliminated the possibility of autonomy. An organized NA is contradictory in the terms of any attempt to force organization would destroy us. So I think it's, you know, in the gray book there, it's pretty explicit that there is no room for that to happen, okay? And then when it does happen, it would destroy us, and I think that's what's happening today. That structure is destroying itself. 
in, in and imploding, and they're fighting for more control instead. You know, and and um, and I talked about this in the previous podcast and Seventh Tradition podcast. Basically, the power of the purse should lie with at the home group level only, and they should be able to defund any administrative structure like like that that attempts to take power. And uh, the problem is that this structure that is out there has the power of the purse over the groups instead right now. And how they do it is through the control of the literature. And I know that's one thing that's going on right now because what we've been doing is removing that, that power of the control through negotiating literature prices and stuff like that separately from that structure and, and reprinting books and getting them books back out into into groups' hands at cost factorization instead and not not having the groups controlled. There is another avenue now that they can get their literature and they can print IPs on their own um, printers at home now because the printers have got that good that you can buy a good printer at a cheap price now and the groups can afford to be able to print their own IPs instead through purchase of ink and, and uh, paper. You know, they can print them cheaper than they could ever get them from them. You know, and they can print, print these IPs that they choose they want in their groups instead. So there are other vehicles out there that uh, basically uh, allow the power within the group that they don't have to be part of an organized structure like that, and you know, that's a governmental structure. So there is a solution for that. So, you know, that's I just want to add that. Yeah, I think the great book clarifies everything. Is there just one question left, or am I off on that one? No, you're off. Uh, uh, we have three questions. Question oh my 23, goodness. how do the 12 concepts make it possible to organize the service structure? Well, we know how they do, okay? <laughs> they set up a administrative structure through concepts, okay, to make it possible to organize the service structure. The concepts have no place within a spiritual Fellowship. I, I just need to say that, and it's simple as that. They are totally yeah, for organization of that. The concepts. We don't use the concepts, and and I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, I believe at the at the fellowship service conference, we got 100 percent of groups that do not use concepts. Okay. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, there's two podcasts that address those specifically. They're both called they're pros and concepts and pros and concepts revisited, and it details explicitly how these concepts are in direct contradiction to our traditions. So you can check those out. And so you can repost them on Radio Free, okay, and on on our uh, Radio Free uh, Facebook, and onto my Facebook, you can post them them them, uh, uh, them uh, podcasts up right with this one. Right. Uh, question 24? Yes, yeah, I can do 24. Yeah. Okay, what is the de definition of organization that this tradition re refers to? I think you just read that out of the gray book in the yeah, question. Yeah, I did. I just, I just read it out of the gray book. It's very simple. Uh, it's talking about uh, the organization of setting up committees and that they have no control over and they should, have no they should not be able to direct you. The accountability is through the home groups. And and how they right. uh, you know do you know uh, make their body that they set up to be accountable directly to them. And I went through that with the power of the purse. I went through that with the group autonomy and the second tradition of the accountability of it. Okay, so that's I think it's very simple. If there's anybody else that wants to add to this or 
anyone want more in-depth talk on it, uh, please uh, add it now. Okay, nothing. How does this tradition empower the home groups? Any you other guys want to uh, answer that for me? Anyone else there besides you and me, Chubbs? I'm here. Uh, they're all hey, here, um, I think. But uh... the this tradition obviously empowers the home group. It, it keeps the home groups, you know, it, it keeps the power with the home group because of the simple fact that. You know, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't allow the committee, but it allows the home groups to have a way to deal with the structure. It allows, you know, it, it's a follow-up like we've already talked about. With a, it, It's a beautiful way of putting all the other traditions before this in play, and it explains, you know, why those traditions come beforehand, you know. Um, all of our traditions, I believe, basically, except for probably Tradition 3, um, you know, they empower the home groups in, some, in one way or another. And even Tradition 3, I think, empowers the home groups because it's a um, – because how many times has, you know, an individual, you know, brought something up that maybe even the group didn't even see, you know, and that, that still helps the group to grow if they're willing to listen to an individual. Um, and, uh, you know, for this tradition itself, you know, it – it gets rid of that power struggle. It gets rid of, you know, that, you know, with with the original where it talked about in the original tradition of, you know, the, the structure doesn't have the right to censor, well, nobody has the right to censor, decide, or dictate for the fellowship, really. You know, no matter even if you do create a service that wants to do that, you know, uh, um, we still are able to to do what we need to do that is what's best for our primary purpose, you know, and carrying the message to the addicts who still suffer, you know, it, it removes, it removes that stigma of the, of having leaders, you know, um, I don't know. There's, there's lots of ways that this tradition empowers the home group. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it's hard to put it into words, but I but I I see the beauty of it. So that's all I got. It says NA as such ought never be organized. That protects the autonomy of the home groups. And then when service boards or committees are are created, they need to be directly responsible to those they serve. That keeps all the power with the home groups 100%. NA as such exists as the home groups. Uh, it's not until the eighth or ninth tradition, eighth and ninth traditions, that we start to address anything below or beyond the home group level at all. And so it, it makes it, it protects the autonomy of those home groups and, and and then directly responsible to those they serve protects the authority of those home groups. I don't even think that the home groups necessarily need to be empowered by anything because they already have all the power, but these traditions clarify that that is the case, that, that all the power lies actually within a loving God, uh, as may be expressed in, in these home groups and only at the home group level. Okay. Yeah. My 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 uh 
understanding is how does this tradition empower the home groups? This tradition does not empower the home groups. The the home groups empower this this uh, to to exist by they may the the key word is may may create service boards or committees. They may. They do not have to create them. They may create them. The groups empower how these committees operate, okay, and don't operate. The groups empower that to happen, and the groups hold that authority through the previous accountability traditions. And like I said, it's to do your second, your fourth, and your seventh tradition. You have to go backwards and look at them. You know, it's the groups that create this. The NA as such creates this, this here to operate and how to operate by it. And, they set, and the groups itself set up the accountability of it. And they may set it up and may dissolve it also. And that's where you were talking about the ability to, to, uh, to, uh, you were talking about the ability, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, with the providing of services and things like that there. But where's the accountability comes in, this, it's like you said, the, the uh, services are not even talked to, to the eighth, and that's a service center. And the, the ninth is the service committees. Groups may create a service committee, I mean a service office, to operate their, their, their committee structure that they set up in the ninth out of, okay? Uh, they may do these things if, if they choose to. So the groups that are the ones that empower this even to exist and how it exists, the groups need to define that and define its purpose and define how it's going to operate. That lies within the empowerment, actually lies within the fourth tradition there, the empowerment of it lies in the second tradition, okay, on the accountability of it. And the, the empowerment lies within the groups and funding it through the seventh tradition. And that's where you have to set this up, where there is no other way to raise funds or fund these mechanisms except through the groups. Yeah, and if we do that there, you will not have a service committee or a service body that's outside operate autonomously on their own, because the only autonomy is the home group. It's not in any service body. There's accountability there. So that's what I think we have to look at here. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I think that one's pretty much covered. Yeah. Okay, the next, the next podcast will be the first Sunday of December then, okay, was we starting on the 10th, okay? Well, at this moment, we have 17 Perfect. questions, okay? Okay, so the first Sunday of December will be the next podcast. I have an appointment in four minutes here, so I don't mean to rush this, but uh, okay. I do want to thank everybody who participated, everybody who listened. You've been listening to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network this swan, and we will see you on the next